Merry Christmas Eve. It is so good to see you. If you are here for the first time, we're really glad you are with us. It's an honor to have you. And if you are a regular, one of our Trinitarians, we're so glad you're here as well. It's great to see you. It's our first ever Christmas Eve service, which is pretty exciting for us. Hopefully the first of many, many years of these gatherings going forward. Uh, Earlier this week, one of my sons asked me a question. He said, Dad, when did people begin celebrating Christmas? I hadn't really thought about it. When, When did people begin celebrating Christmas? And so I said, you know, it's probably after Jesus's death and resurrection when the early church said, you know, Easter and Christmas, these are our, our holy days. But then we, we began to talk, well, maybe Joseph and Mary began celebrating before then, you know, why not? I mean, December 25th, Jesus's birth, he's the son of God, they, they knew it, you know, and so why not start a little bit early? So maybe Joseph and Mary said to themselves, we feel like we ought to put up a tree, you know, they, they say, why not just presents for Jesus? How about presents for everybody? And they put lights on the house, you know? And so the neighbors are like, what are you doing? Like, oh, you'll, you'll find out. Give it a couple decades, everybody's going to be doing this. It's, it's hard to imagine life without Christmas at this point. We've been celebrating Advent for the last four weeks as a congregation, and, and the posture of Advent is, is where we, we identify with the Hebrews and their longing for the, the coming of a Messiah. It's a, it's a time of anticipation, of, of expectancy, of creating room in our hearts for more of God's presence. And so tonight, it's, it's exciting to be able to gather and, and formally celebrate Christmas, Christmas Eve together. And yet, this has been a unique year. I think Advent this year felt particularly different because of how difficult 2020 has been. I I don't have to remind you, but of course, more than 75 million people now have been afflicted by COVID. Almost 2 million people now have died across the world. Millions more have faced unemployment or loss of income. Kids are are out of school all over the country. The rates of, of anxiety and Uh, suicide, of divorce, they're all as high as ever. And so we we step into this as Christians, not as those who are surprised by any of this. The the brokenness of the world doesn't surprise us. Even even the injustice of the world systems here in in a year where we've seen tragedies like the deaths of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery, of Breonna Taylor, even this year, We're not surprised even by the proclivity of our own hearts to drift away from God continually over and over again towards complacency, towards bitterness, until God calls us back again. And so the message of Christmas comes at a desperate time for us. We need the life-giving power of the gospel. We need the renewing presence of the Holy Spirit. We need the the love and, and encouragement and support of one another so much. And so tonight, all I want us to do is be able to lift our eyes just a little bit to remember the meaning of Christmas, that it's into this messy world that heaven has broken through. Heaven has come to earth. Jesus became as we are so that we might become as he is. And so you all, you know this story, but you can imagine with me, Joseph and Mary have arrived in Bethlehem. They've made this, this long journey together. They're not yet married, but Mary is, is expecting this little baby boy any day. 
The journey from, from Nazareth where they lived to Bethlehem was 80 miles on foot. And so you can imagine that journey 80 miles as Mary is 38, 39, 40 weeks pregnant. Now, the Roman law had, had stated that everybody had to return to their hometowns, and so they went back to Bethlehem. But Bethlehem being a small town, it's the kind of town where a lot of people are from, but nobody really stays there. And so thousands of people have probably come back to this little town, and so all of the rooms are, are full up. If you're a person of means, if you have the wealth, you had a room, but the people who, were, who didn't have the means, they were outside like Joseph and Mary. And so you can imagine them as they walk, you know, maybe Mary's on a donkey, but they have this long journey, you know, she's probably flipping through what to expect when you're expecting, you know, like highlighting this stuff for Joseph to read. But I imagine them recounting all of the stories they had been told growing up. All of these marvelous Old Testament prophecies that they had been told over and over. Isaiah 16, 5, as you heard, it says, In love a throne will be established in faithfulness, a man will sit on it, one from the house of David, one who in judging seeks justice and speeds the cause of righteousness. And so finally they reach Bethlehem and, and there's no room for them. And it's in that moment that Mary begins to, to shriek in pain. This baby is coming. The contractions are getting closer. And so they move into the first little stable that they can find and put down their things. And Mary goes into labor. Finally, at last, the, the shrieks of Mary turn into the, the cries of a little baby boy as Jesus is born. And I imagine Joseph taking Jesus and, and setting him on Mary's chest as he's, as he's spitting and, and coughing and crying. And finally, after all these weeks, this long journey, Joseph and Mary finally can, can exhale. They can breathe. They can laugh and cry, it's going to be okay. But just imagine holding this little boy. This is the one, the, the Messiah, the, the hope, the desire of all nations. This is the one, like in this little blanket that, that created the cosmos, that, that hung the stars in the sky, created the oceans and the mountains. This is the one who would walk among the people, who would teach, who would heal the lepers, who would, who would raise the dead. Like this little guy that's in that moment that heaven has broken through. Now, the first ones who came to know of Jesus' birth were not noblemen, they weren't priests, they weren't rulers, but it was out in the fields nearby. A, a group of ragtag shepherds doing the midnight Watch. Shepherds were not uh, considered upper class or even middle class. They were lower class laborers. But it's to them that an angel comes. Now, this is essential to the Christmas narrative that salvation doesn't come from where you expect and it doesn't come to whom you expect, but salvation comes from the margins and to the margins. It's why wise men come from the far east with their fine gifts, not because Jesus has come for insiders and the religious and the good people, but because he's come for outsiders, the far off, the tax collectors and prodigals. All nations will come and praise him. And so it's there in the fields in the middle of the night that this light shines. And the angel says to them, do not be afraid. 
I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The angel announces this good news, joy, peace, and glory. The angel first says that this is good news of great joy that's for all the people. This is a deep and abiding joy. It's not merely a feeling like happiness or gladness, but a heaven-sent joy descends on God's people where burdens are lifted, forgiveness is granted, new life is blooming. And then second, the angel announces on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Into this broken and and divided world, a peace comes. Into our own broken and, and fragmented hearts, a peace is announced. Biblically, the idea of peace comes from the Hebrew word shalom, which means completeness, wholeness, flourishing, everything in its place. Peace has come to earth. And then finally, glory to God in the highest heaven. There is only one way that God could accomplish his peace on earth and glory in heaven. It was the only way for God to restore people to himself and maintain his glory because we couldn't fix our deepest problem, our own sin. And a penalty had to be paid for our sin, death. And so only by God sending his own son to live this this perfect life and to fulfill the law, to die the death that we deserved and to rise again in victory over Satan, sin, and death so that we might be restored to God. We might have peace in this place. We might be joined to Christ, entering the royal family of God. Heaven has come to earth. He became as we are, so that we might become as he is. Now this reminds us that if God can show up like this, If he can show up in a a manger in the least likely place, he can show up anywhere. If if he can show up out there among the fields and the shepherds and call the men from the far east, it shows us that there's no one too far off, no place too low where God can't also show up in all his glory. Into darkness, a light has shined. From the margins, salvation has appeared. And in a, in a difficult and a dark year like this, we have hope because heaven has broken through. Let's pray.